following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Smalls Angelos. And this week, Smalls, we had on a guest who worked, works, sorry, works harder than anyone I've ever, ever spoken to. Like, I mean, Courtney Lyle, SEC Network, ESPN, Friday Night Stripes, find her on any, a number of basketball broadcast, volleyball, softball, baseball, but Smalls, this was the first time I'd ever listened to an episode and I'm like, I'm never going to make it because I, I don't work as hard as the person we're talking to. Because it's unbelievable. It's just one of those things. And I think all of, uh, all of my fellow underachievers out there go through the same thing. Um, we kind of look at our age and look at what we're doing in life and uh, our accomplishments. And then we see that pro athlete, or in this case, Courtney Lyle, the same age as me. Completely dominating. She's oh, yeah. SEC yeah. Network. She's on Twitter getting 2 million people to view. She's going here. She's at a hotel there. Oh, no problem. I'll do 44 games in a week. That's what <laughs> she's doing. I'm over here like, should I eat order Burger King tonight or go a little healthier and get salad works? That's about the, the tough decision. So Courtney's just killing it, and it was awesome that her. It's, it's amazing. So pro, one of the youngest play-by-play announcers does a wide variety of games and just a really fun person to have on, especially like Small said, because of how young she was. And it definitely the type of person that makes you kind of look in the mirror and be like, man, I didn't do enough or I don't do enough. And I think that it's, it's not necessarily that. I think that one thing that Courtney emphasized is that, you know, she'd done a ton of internships, ton of stuff while she was in college, ton of stuff while she was in high school. It tells one of the funniest stories from Titans training camp uh, when she was in high school working for the local radio station that Smalls and I just were cracking up about. But, you know, that she didn't know what she wanted to do. She didn't know if she wanted to do play-by-play, didn't know if she wanted to be a news reporter, didn't know if she wanted to be an anchor and ends up doing a lot of those things. And then by the time you kind of find your groove, you've done a ton of things and you know what you're ready to focus on. And and that, I think, as coaches, we don't necessarily know that because, you know, you want to be a recruiter, you want to be really strong X's and O's, you want to be great at player development, you want to be a really good culture guy. And there aren't really internships for that, Smalls. You know, it's a different, it, the, the parallels there are a little bit different in the sense that, like, what do you do? You know, if you're a manager like we were, how, how do you cut your teeth as a recruiter? You, you, you work a lot of different things, but to find your path and, and really dial it in, it's, it's different. And I thought like for Courtney, like the, the bottom line was like, she just worked and worked and worked to get where she is now. And to, I mean, she's going to keep working until she gets where she wants to be. And I would not be surprised Smalls if in five years, like we popped on Monday night football and it was like the first week of the season and she was the person doing the second game. I, like, I'm not kidding. I, like when I say that, I, um, I'm definitely not kidding. I could totally see that as well. And I think, uh, you know, a good point, you know, the parallels are a little different, but, you know, some people will say, oh, like people who, you know, come up and I, I, we've said it about coaches like, oh, you got really lucky. Well, she created her own luck in a lot of ways. Created, just her, created her own shot. Created her own shot. Created her own luck. Luck of the Irish. Um, about getting to where she is because she just works and works and continues to 
get better at her craft too. She's always looking for improvements and she talks through that. Um, so I just got a lot of like respect for Courtney. I mean, someone who puts in the time and the effort like her and really knows where she wants to go and loves what she does. And that's, that's the coolest thing about it. And I think that's really the parallel of coaching. A lot of coaches we've had on, you know, they say, I don't know what else I would do. You know, and when we ask that question of what would you, what would you do if you weren't coaching basketball? Well, they say, I don't know, because I haven't thought, I don't know anything else. And I think she's the same way. She's just like, I'm dialed into this profession. I want to get to the top level and I'm not going to do it in a day. But if I work my, you know, as hard as I can each day and keep getting better, then in five years, she's going to be at the top. Of, and I could see her. That, that's how she's going to get to Monday Night Football for sure. Did you just censor yourself from saying work my ass off? Yeah, I, I don't know. It didn't, you ever you ever know? It just sometimes it doesn't feel right, you know. And <laughs> recently I've been coaching high school kids, helping out at a high school, and I've got to watch my language. So I've been trying to use the word darn it and gosh darn a lot and but. And, and I just I, I'm really working through it. So I figure if I'm going to get better at that, I've got to practice it in all aspects of my life. What are your uh, what are your top three coaching cliches at the high school level? Because you've been doing this now, so obviously, like we'll, we'll talk about this. So Ryan Nemitz, who was a guest on the show a while back at Cardinal O'Hara Smalls, is going to be an assistant for Cardinal O'Hara High School, and they're doing some preseason shootouts. The season doesn't officially start till November fifteenth. So, needless to say, I am very excited for the season to start. <laughs> so we can talk about it. But Smalls fully locked in. Second year as a high school coach now. What, what would you say, Smalls? Your your three go to coach speaks mm. are. I I I don't I don't use coach speak Tyler. I'm not a coach speak guy. I'm a, I'm a real like authentic guy, usually wild and out of my mind. Uh, coach Nemitz is really doing a great job teaching the guys what he wants out of them, and he's he actually texted me today that uh, phase one of program building was over. Yeah, and it was on uh, phase. We two. had a little f. We had two games last night, and we had a little discussion about that. It's. You know, the feeling out period's over. It's going to get pretty tough. Um, and I'm excited for it. I think Coach is doing a great job. So That's, that's it. That's Coach yeah. right there, calling, <laughs> calling one of your old friends who you've known forever Coach. Oh, guy who's, oh yeah. Who's He's in my phone as Coach now. I, I only – and, like, we, we were together this weekend, and we just – you know, I was calling him Coach. He was calling me Coach. I took out his trash at his apartment because I'm his assistant coach, and – just that's do it. anything. I'll fold his laundry. Uh, that's what you got to do to get ahead if you want to get in the high school game, fellas. This, this actually reminds me of a time where we were at Temple and we scrimmaged Penn State. And it was the first year that Pat Chambers was the head coach of Penn State. And full disclosure, anybody who has a direct line to Pat Chambers, if he wants to come on Create Your Shot, absolutely is allowed at any any moment. Just reach out to us, createyourshot at gmail.com or create your shot uh, on Twitter. But it was the first year of his at Penn State. Obviously, they, they were they were okay, not not great. I think the year before we'd beaten him in the tournament, and then Ed DeCellis had left. If that timeline lines up, but he had an old Penn State, like new Penn State mantra, and one of them was like two feet mm. deep. Oh yeah, or like two feet in, Something right? Like and they were just screaming that like over and over again. And that's you, Smalls. Like you put him in your you put Nemitz in your phone as coach. Like you're calling everybody coach these days. Like you're just making sure that you never break character, right? You're essentially a character. Oh, for actor. sure. And I think the the funniest thing that happened and I'll tell this really quick was um talking about coach speak. Well, I guess I'm a little old now because I was like in our third game in I forget what shootout was a couple weeks ago. 
I said, let's be ready. Let's rock and roll. And the kids started laughing because they had never heard the term rock and roll, like let's rock and roll. And I'm, I thought that was pretty common. So now I'm, you know, every time they see me, they say, I'm the rock and roll guy. I'm going to get t-shirts made up. I'm bringing rock and roll back. And I'm going to bring it into the basketball scene because I love the phrase rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. Nothing's, nothing's better than rock and roll. Smalls, are you uh, are you and Coach Nemitz going to use Team Synced for your guys? Uh, I did. I told Coach Nemitz to definitely get that. It's it's all about the funds, and he controls that um, as a top down. Uh, and and Coach Nemitz is my mentor, so I listen to what he says. I just. You know, I give them suggestions, and I definitely suggested Team Synced. I think it could help all programs at Cardinal O'Hara, um, and we'll we'll see what our Catholic uh, Catholic League budget's like. Well, here's the thing, right? As a new head coach, this is one thing that we know, that the first year as a head coach at any level of sports, it doesn't matter if you're an elementary school coach or you're an NBA or college head coach, the first year, and, and even like the first couple months you're there, mm-hmm. you have complete carte blanche with the budget. Like whatever you want to do, that improves your team from before, you can do it. So if you're like, hey, here's the thing. I need TeamSync because I need an app that allows me to have everyone's schedules online, that allows me to streamline accountability for players, coaches, travel party, allows me to schedule facilities in advance, allows me to check classes, not that you need to do that. Uh, I mean, that's 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 something that you can do, right? For And it's incredibly affordable as well. So to give people perspective on what I've gone through the first month at a, even a high school and just helping out, uh, we've had the gym uh, double booked three times, so we couldn't practice. And, you know, I, I, I personally think if, and I'm not speaking ill of the program, but, you know, things happen, cheerleading, rain delays, volleyball comes in. <laughs> If we had that team synced app, you know, that wouldn't happen because everyone would be on the same page. You'd be able to check your phone. Players would get updates, not just from the basketball team. The volleyball team would get updates and they'd be able to update that. Everyone would be on the same page in terms of coaching. And Right, because that's the thing about team sync is like you can get it for a program. We obviously yep. talk about it a lot for teams and, and whether it be high school teams, small colleges, yeah. uh, division Each one, team even could get it. NBA teams, but every team could get it too. And that's. That's where, like, see, here's my thing with you, Smalls. Now that you're dialed in, like, you're too, all in, and, you know, you're the guy that walks up to the gym and you see the JV cheerleading team practicing, and, and Coach Nemitz is not allowed to be upset about that. But you, as his assistant, is the guy that's like, you know, you're walking around, you're like, what the F is this, man? Like, we can't get in the gym today? Like, JV cheerleading, they need to practice? Because Coach Nemitz has to put on a good face. But you're allowed to be a little bit of a wild card. The <laughs> players can see you that I, way. I right? will. I will say – Coach Nemitz keeps his cool when he's around the kids, which is great. Um, but of course he gets upset. I actually, um, you know, I'm transitioning in my life. I'm actually calming him down a little bit. Uh, there's no district. Listen, cheerleading is in season right now. Volleyball's in season. They deserve the gym. I just wish we could all get on the schedule. And I wish there was a technology out there that could help us. Oh, wait, there is. It's called. <laughs> We're also doing a thing with our players and this would be the class checking thing. Um, we're setting up with a lot of teachers are volunteering their time to tutor some of our players and help them with subjects they're, you know, struggling. And that's what really the higher community, the higher teachers are getting behind is uh, helping different kids who are struggling after school. So we do want to um, create accountability for that. So another thing team sync would be great is our players checking in on time to tutoring and then getting those updated reports from the tutors who are going to be there. 
personally, I think it just makes it really easy. In high school sports, we all think about, you know, there's, you know, there's not a lot of travel or anything like that, but actually you've got to make sure all of your players and there's not someone who isn't supposed to be there on that bus because it creates a liability concern. So it's just another, you know, thing. I think we could use team sync. And I also think every high school should get team sync. So if you're a high school coach, get it, you'll elevate your program. Um, you can't recruit quote unquote, but you can absolutely tell a student you use it. And this is how you create accountability. The parents will love it. Listen, we're on top of our kids. Let's get it done. You know what I mean? Teamsynced.com backslash CYS. Let's go. All right. Uh, last thing for me, anybody who commented on or left, a inst- geez, left an Instagram review, anyone who left an iTunes review and sent it to me, uh, those koozies are going to be sent out uh, this week on Wednesday. So you should get those probably the beginning of next week. Also, any former guests, uh, you guys have koozies coming your way too. So if you need to send me an address, if you're hearing this, most of them will go to offices and things like that. But if you got an address, you don't want a koozie showing up there. Just let me know and we will go from there. But I appreciate everybody who did leave reviews. The promo is still in effect. So if you want a koozie, they are on our Instagram. They are super, super fire smalls. We're bringing that back to rock and roll. Fire. fire. Yeah. Uh, Go on iTunes, leave a five-star review and type in a review and screenshot it. Send it to me at createyourshot at gmail.com. Create your shot on Twitter, create your shot pod on Instagram, or create your shot on Facebook, slide in our DMs, all that good stuff, and I will send you a free koozie. Other than that, like I said, I appreciate everybody who did it because it drives us up the charts. We have uh, not dropped out of like the top 50 in the last couple weeks, so that is really, really awesome. Uh, our Friday shows have been really, really fun to do as well. Football pickums, we talk about some coaching decisions, talk about kind of what goes on in sports. Smalls gives you his Tiger Woods hot mm-hmm. takes. Brutal, brutal Ryder Cup for our guy Tiger and the U.S. in general this past weekend. I know coaches are also golf fans, but that was brutal. So tune in on Friday. We'll talk a little Ryder Cup. Also talk a little, like I said, college and NFL football. And for all of our coaching buddies out there that started practice this past weekend or if you start this week, good luck. It feels like the season arrives earlier and earlier every year. I feel like I look at our guy John Rostein's Twitter and in July he has like (laughs) 77 days till college basketball begins and then all of a sudden september 1st it's like three days till college basketball begins so i am excited to follow everybody uh this year in college basketball and i hope everybody's first practice first week of practice goes great and as always thank you for listening uh we would not do this show if people didn't tune in and we didn't think we were helping so this week uh enjoy courtney lyle from the sec network espn and friday night strikes broadcaster for ESPN and the SEC Network, and currently the play-by-play voice of Friday Night Stripes on Twitter. Courtney, uh, you are just coming back, I think, from the second episode of Friday Night Stripes. So I'm curious, you know, how did that go on Friday night? And how's everything been going for you as we've entered football season? Um, I think it's been a lot of fun. Um, 
the first game of Friday Night Stripes was a really great game um, between McEachern and Cedar Grove in Atlanta, Georgia. And then we kind of had a blowout um, this past Friday in Indianapolis. But just to be able to see the talent that is on display at this level of football, I mean, you know, the next level is obviously college, but to see that on the high school stage was really fun. And I think we had a great time on Friday night. So can you talk to us a little bit about, obviously this is, uh, I believe Adidas has a pretty good hand in this and, you know, Friday Night Stripes, great title, but it's you and AJ Hawk. Can you talk to us a little bit about what Friday Night Stripes is, just so our listeners know, especially considering it's, you know, it's, it's on Twitter. So it's very different and very new. Uh, can you kind of not necessarily pitch us on it, but tell us kind of what Friday Night Stripes is and then how your role has, you know, how it, I, I wouldn't say that they built it around you, but you're obviously the voice of it. So can you talk a little bit about that before we kind of dive into your background and your history? Sure. So um, Intersport um, is the company who kind of started this idea of broadcasting high school games on Twitter. Uh, They did a basketball package in the spring called The Debut, and they felt like they could step it up and do high school football, which is so big. Um, There are parts of the country, Texas, in the South, Florida, that high school football is a huge deal. People come out on Friday nights and they, they always have a plan of going to their local high school football game. And we wanted to bring that to people on a new platform that gives us so many different options um, to do things where fans and viewers can interact with us immediately without needing a second screen. You know, you don't turn on your TV and then go get your computer or your phone to interact with us. You're already watching it on Twitter. You can comment right there immediately. And I think that's so unique. Especially for high school football. I mean, these kids are on Twitter. They're on all the different social medias. So why not bring them a football game? Um, And we had over 2 million viewers on Friday um, watching this game. And it was pretty incredible. I mean, it's a huge rivalry between Warren Central and Ben Davis. So I think Intersport and Adidas, of course, who is the main sponsor, you can tell just interacting with the people representing those companies that they care a lot about this and they want to get some really amazing talent and amazing games out there. And this is a great way to do it on Twitter. Yeah, I feel like high school football has really expanded its footprint. Uh, on both on TV and on streaming platforms. I know QB1 is, was in its second season, and we got to kind of see some big high schools that will travel around the country and play more national schedules, which is super interesting. Obviously, like I didn't know anything about Ben Davis and Warren Central and, and their rivalry and stuff like that. But, you know, you're an interesting case as a play-by-play announcer because you're, you're, you're young. I mean, you're, you're young, 28 years old, and but you began – kind of as a sports anchor, as a high school sophomore, uh, you stopped playing basketball to call games at Brentwood High School. I want to know how you knew at, you know, 15 years old, this is what I want to do. Kind of who did you look up to? When did you decide this is what you wanted to do? And, you know, how, how did that come about? Well, I'll be honest. Um, I realized I wasn't going to be good enough to play basketball in high school. <laughs> so I wanted to still be around the game because I grew up. Um, being around sports. My dad really got me started in that. I mean, from a very young age, we had one of those Fisher Price plastic basketball goals that he was teaching me to shoot on. And we would, you know, take a walk around the neighborhood and dribble the basketball and practice, you know, dribbling with my left hand and doing crossovers. And so from a young age, I was really exposed to all different kinds of sports. And I didn't want to give that up. I knew that 
I wanted to do a career path that I was going to love, and I loved doing sports. And fortunately, Burnwood High School um, in the Nashville, Tennessee area, they ran a little educational access channel in the county. So it went out to Williamson County. Um, it was Channel 9. And they broadcasted games. I mean, they weren't live, but they were tape delayed. So we would go up and set up. I mean, we did football games with seven cameras and three replay machines. And I wanted to be a part of that because I thought it was so cool. Because Friday nights, I mean, I still... I know you hear um, football players say they would give anything to go back and play on a Friday night. I would give anything to go back and do one of our high school football games again with that setup and with the students working as a student doing it. I mean, those are some of the best memories I have in high school. And I was so fortunate enough to have that outlet to really focus in and realize this is what I want to do. So when I got to college, I had an idea and I knew I just wanted to go in and try everything. Um, and that little TV station in high school helped me realize that. Yeah. And I want to hear more about that college experience at Tennessee, because it, it, like, it seems like just looking at what you've done, you've done so much different stuff, but specifically at Tennessee, you were doing uh, your, you know, you joined the broadcasting department, the Pat Summit show, radio coverage. You're kind of doing a lot of different things and experience. Was that exactly what you wanted to do when you got into Tennessee? Were you like, I want to try a lot of different stuff. I want to become really involved right away and, you know, kind of, you know, uh, speed up my career in a sense and really get that experience. Was that the, always the intention and how was Tennessee for you? Yeah. So, um, I had the, um, I was fortunate enough to, this is so nerdy. Um, in high school, I went to broadcasting camp at Tennessee. So Bob Kessling is the voice of the Vols. And he used to That's put a on a nerdy. broadcasting camp. It is so nerdy. Like, it is incredibly yeah, nerdy. You know what? It's okay. Tyler's a super nerd, too. So you guys are going to be okay. Oh, man. It was, yeah. <laughs> nerd nerd alert. It. You just got to own it. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally owning it. The first time I went, I was 15. And I think there was like a 39-year-old dude there also, like, in the camp. Like, it was for people of all ages. And... I went up there and I, I was able to make some contacts um, in high school. So when I got to college, I knew that I wanted to work with the UT Athletic Broadcasting Department. So they work in the athletic department. They do a lot of recruiting videos. They're known as VFL Films. So you might see them on Twitter or anything you see on the Jumbotron. They do some amazing pieces. So when I was a freshman, I knew those people that worked, Link Hudson, Barry Rice, Bob Kessling. I knew them. So I would just go and show up in the office and I didn't know what I was doing, but I would work on homework. And then if they said, Hey, I got to go out and shoot this. I would be like, Oh, can I come with you? I would just sit there. And I think they got tired of that. So they finally let me go out and do some things. And that's when I really got to learn because somewhere along the way, and I'm not sure how I knew this, but I knew that experience was going to be a lot more important than I mean, school is important. Don't get me wrong. You need to have a degree um, in something. You need to get good grades. That's important. But the most important thing in getting a job is your experience and your resume tape. And I knew that I wanted to get that experience. I wanted to be able to shoot my own stuff and edit it and know how to do all those different things and get experience with interviewing. So I just started showing up as a freshman um, and sitting in there and waiting around until something happened. And I think that's finally when they realized, hey, She's pretty serious about wanting to be a part of this. And little by little, I started getting some more responsibilities to where my senior year, I produced the Pat Summit Show, which ended up being Coach Summit's last year coaching. 
Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, that experience in itself is, you know, amazing. Were you ever, and we talk a lot about this with coaches in terms of doubts or fears. Was there ever a doubt during your college experience that, Hey, maybe I don't want to do this, or maybe, you know, I'm not sure. And how did you kind of face those challenges and adversities and, you know, overcome them to keep, you know, pushing yourself and, uh, you know, moving on to the next points, whether it be an ESPN internship or something like that? Yeah, I don't know if there was ever, I don't remember ever doubting this is what I wanted to do. I do remember doubting that I made the wrong decision or I, but I remember there was a time where I thought maybe Tennessee is, I'm not supposed to be at Tennessee. I remember having that conversation with my dad freshman year um, and he was really reassuring that you know, when I make a decision, I pretty much think things through really well. And I had a lot of good contacts at Tennessee. And I'm not sure what the reason for that was. Um, but after that, I really, and I'm so fortunate that I feel really lucky that I felt this way. I don't think I don't ever remember doubting that this is what I want to do because I love it. I mean, there's so many different aspects of this field that I love. And I, I want to do something that I love because you're going to do it for the rest of your life. So I think that's pretty unique. And I'm fortunate that I, I haven't doubted this is what I want to do. Sure. And I think you have, you know, you, and again, we're obviously we do a lot. We interview a lot of coaches. We were coaches at one point and you have that kind of same mentality where I really want to do this. So I've got to, uh, you know, get, get uncomfortable, uncomfortable to be comfortable. So you did a ton of internships, ESPN events, Titans radio, uh, 104.5 The Zone. I'm just you know, I'm going down the list here. And I think if I went down, this podcast would run about two hours. That's how much stuff you've done. Uh, but did you feel like you needed as much experience as possible to decide ultimately uh, what you wanted to concentrate and focus on, on that play-by-play? And is play-by-play ultimately what you want to, you know, uh, you know, hang your hat on, I guess, so to say? Yeah, that's really interesting. So uh, yes, I did feel like I wanted to do as many experiences as possible because I wanted to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. So I wanted to have the radio experience. Um, I did a news internship with the Fox station in Nashville, and I realized I did not want to do news because I do not want to go sit in a school board meeting every week or do any of that. That sounds terrible. I would much (laughs) rather go to a game. So (laughs) I realized very quickly when I did that internship, this is not for me. Um, But I did want to get some experience. But it's interesting, going back to the play-by-play thing, um, when I first did it, I knew, I was 100% sure I did not want to do play-by-play. And here we are. Um, I I felt like I was, I was probably because the first time I did it, I was 15 and I was in doing our high school football games with two like football dads. So I was way in over my head. Like I should not have been up there. I was not ready for that. I didn't, you know, I called the backfield, the secondary and, you know, it just, it wasn't pretty, but I've kind of fallen in love with the preparation. Um, and I, I took, I took the local news route after school because I thought I wanted to be a reporter. And I think in the back of my mind, I wanted to be a reporter because I was afraid of the preparation and everything and the amount of time you're on air when you're doing play-by-play. But it was interesting when the SEC Network launched, they required all of the SEC schools to do a certain number of events live like on the ESPN app. So Bob Kessling, who's the voice of the Vols who I mentioned, he called me because I was back in Knoxville and he said, I want to I want to see if you would be able to call a basketball game, a Lady Vol game for us on the ESPN app. 
So I said, sure, you know, I'd love to. He's like, I'm going to audition you. So he took me into a room with a monitor and pulled up a game from last season. And we called the game off the monitor. And that's how, you know, he, I guess he felt confident enough after that to let me try it on the Watch ESPN app for Tennessee. So I did that. It went pretty well. And it just happened that, a, you know, a month later or so, um, representatives from the SEC network came to kind of go over things with the crews that are based in the schools. And Mega Ronowitz um, was one of those people. She's a CP, a coordinating producer for ESPN. And she they happened to pull a game that I had called. And so she saw me do it and was like, I want to use you more. So that's how that eventually the next year, uh, or I think it was two years later, I went full time with ESPN because I happened to be in the right place at the right time. She pulled my tape and that's how eventually it led to me getting a full time contract. So before we get to the SEC Network, Courtney, I I do want to talk about when you graduated college, you started working at uh, 13 WMAZ in Macon, Georgia. And for our listeners out there who are not super familiar with the South or towns in Georgia, uh, going from Knoxville to Macon had to be a little bit of a culture shock. I, I, what was it like going to a television station like that, especially one that was a bit smaller? And, you know, kind of how did you integrate yourself with the staff at the station and start to carve out more of a footprint on, you know, more of a regional scale? Yeah, so I always knew that, I mean, they tell you um, in school and, and people in the business always say, you know, you're going to have to go to a small market. Um to get experience and that'll probably be your first job. And I remember actually I had, when I came back to Knoxville, I had some student come up to me and say, Oh, you know, that really sucks. You had to go to Macon. And I was like, no, you don't get it. Like that's where you go and get experience. So the day after I graduated from Tennessee, I moved to Macon, Georgia as the weekend sports anchor um, at, like you said, uh, 13 WMAZ, which is the CBS affiliate. And at the time they were, this was 2012. So they were the only station in the market in HD uh, they were the dominant number one. And Macon, Georgia, by the way, is about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. So I just knew I wanted to go and, and get experience and get reps. And it was great because I anchored every day, twice a day. Um, every day that I was there, I was anchoring sports, going out and shooting sports and writing it and putting it on the web and putting it in the show. So it was a good experience. I mean, absolutely. When my parents dropped me off, um, my dad drove the moving van down there. And then they both left. I was like, all right, well, here we go. I don't know a single person in this town. And now what happens? So (laughs) it ended up, I mean, you're kind of all in the same boat when you move to a station because everybody's moving there to get experience usually. So you have a lot of people right out of college. And I was able to make some friendships. But I mean, I was it's weird because I was the one of the only people working the night shift besides the main anchor. So like I would go in at 2.30 and leave at midnight or 12.30. So I really didn't have time to like hang out with a ton of people. But it was good because it forced me to focus on work and really put everything I had into it because there wasn't a lot else to do. And I'm really thankful for that station because Frank Malloy, um, Marvin James, those were two of the guys that I worked with and they were so helpful um, and taught me a lot. And so when that job came open in Knoxville, after about 16 or 17 months of being in Macon, I was ready to move back and move up in markets. But that's only because I went to Macon and got experience and was anchoring every day and was was able to learn a lot. 
Yeah, let's talk about being a local sports anchor for just a second, because I got to imagine that, and you came up in an interesting time in the journalism world where you, you do have to be able to do everything. Like if you were covering a high school football game, you were probably out shooting, right? You're more so a one-man band, but you might you may have had a camera person if it was a big game. But what's a what's a day like? Because you're gonna you have to get up early, right? And then you get to the station, you get your assignment, then you're going to the football game, you're shooting, you're editing, and then you're anchoring. But can, I mean, I'm sure that's very simplified. But can you talk about kind of like what a day is like if you're gonna be anchoring, but you're also out there shooting yourself? Because I can't imagine the sports department was huge. So my guess is you yeah. did ninety of the work yourself would be my guess maybe more than that oh yeah i never i've never had a photographer (laughs) but but that's just part of like just we've talked we've had some journalists we've had some older ones on we've had some younger ones on but like that's part of it now you know when you're in this era of uh sports journalism they're just you got to be able to do it all if you can't do it all you you probably aren't going to be super successful because it's not like when you're you know, in 1985, when sports was huge and, and everybody had somebody to do things for them, like you're editing your own pieces, you're shooting your own pieces, you're doing your own standups, like you're writing your own pieces. And that's, I mean, that's the, where your background comes in to play that you can do everything. But I, I want to know, like your, your, your first big piece in making Georgia, kind of like what your, your day would be like, and then, you know, how you kind of attacked and prioritized, like, all right, this is what I need to do right now. This needs to be done by this time. Can you kind of break that down for us? Sure. Yeah. I'm mean, Friday nights in Macon used to be the most stressful night of the week um, during the football season because so I would come in and I would be live at a game. So I would have to come in pretty early, probably around noon. And that's early. And I'm, that's early because I'm going to be there until one or one thirty at night in the morning. So I would get there and I would have to put everything. You have to put your scripts in the show. Um, you have to put something in there because the closed captioning is run off of the teleprompter. So whatever's in the teleprompter goes through and that's how you see closed captioning on your TV. So we have to have something in there. So I would go and put that in there, edit some video to go, and then I would have to get to my game. And usually I would have um, a photographer unless it was, uh, they have these backpacks called like TVUs or live views that you are allowed to go, that will allow you to go live. So, but if it was a truck or something like that, I would have a photographer. So then I would go and I would be live probably in the five and the six o'clock show. And then I would have to go to my games. So I would usually do in Macon, I went to at least two different games and that's stressful because you get to the first game and you're hoping somebody score. Like I need a touchdown. I need some kind of highlight. So I can get out of here and get on the road and get to my next game and hope that it's not already a blowout or, you know, or, you know, the game's already pretty much over um, because you want to be able to get highlights from both. So you go to you would go to your first game, hope that something happened and then get back on the road, go to your second game. And hopefully the, the worst feeling in the world is walking up to the field and there's a huge touchdown run. And you're like, I was just seconds away from getting that. Like that is the most frustrating feeling. So then you hope something happens at your second game. And then I'm watching the clock constantly because I had to anchor the 11 o'clock sports. So I would have to go shoot two games and then get back to the station. I mean, these games could be 45 minutes, an hour away. It's not close. It's not like I'm going down the street. Right. So I would get, get back to the station, put together an 11 p.m. sports cast that wasn't all high school football because from 11:30 to midnight we did a 30 minute high school show 
So I would get back, put together a sports block, edit my two highlights, and hopefully, probably not, get a chance to look over the other highlights that people had shot to put in what we called the um, um, our Friday night show, and then go out there and anchor the sports, and then also get back out there to anchor the 30-minute high school football show. And it was so, it would be so stressful that when I first did it, guys, I would get home that night after everything was done. And I would go to sleep and maybe two or three hours later, I would wake up in my kitchen trying to shoot a high school football game. Like, what am I doing? Like, because you're just going as soon as you get in the office. I mean, you're going nonstop for about 12 hours and I just couldn't turn it off. So I would be like, here I am at a high school football game, but really I'm standing in my kitchen and it's 4 a.m. Guys, did someone say playoffs? NBA and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA playoff bracket contest that gives you more chances to win. Major League Baseball continues to push through the summer, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action, as Bet Online has hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Please take advantage of every sport, and remember, our casino never closes. It's always there for you to check out and enjoy. Head to the website today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you go to bet online, don't forget the promo code P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E. That is podcast one for your sign-up bonus. That is bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make your way back to Knoxville. And I just have, you know, I just have one question. What was it like covering the Butch Jones era? And what was the best quote you were ever given from Butch? Is Jeremy Pruitt the answer, by the way? Uh. So many questions right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I said one, yeah, but it was really you, seventeen. Only had one question. Man, do you want me to just solve all of Tennessee's football problems right now? You can do it. <laughs> you did the Ron Burgundy thing, where like he just read word for word off the press yep. sheet rather than just taking it and you know being a really good anchor like I'm you not, could do. I'm not a. I'm not a journalist. Mind. I'm not a. You know, I'm not a broadcaster. <laughs> I'm not a professional. You know, I'm just. I'm just the guy trying to do this thing. Yeah, you know what you do. Damn right. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Well, let's start with um, the Butch Jones question. So I think it was kind of interesting because when I was at the athletic department, I saw, you know, they get they got rid of Coach Fulmer. They brought in Lane Kiffin. Then they brought in Derek Dooley and then Butch Jones. So I, I kind of saw all of that and from different perspectives from working in the athletic department to actually then when I went to Macon, I was kind of on the outside watching to see what was still happening up there. And then when I got back to Knoxville, I was covering it. So uh, Butch was very interesting. I mean, uh, initially, I mean, I thought he was a really good recruiter. He would bring in some really good kids. I mean, Josh Stops was a good player. Jalen Hurd was a good he, he player. Really, um, really, I just he could really recruit. He, I mean, he was unbelievable on the trail. I mean, they had his first couple classes were like top five in the country, good, which is you know absolutely. why I think people were really excited for a while. Sure. And I mean, you want to have some kind of hope too. I mean, in any sports, any sports base, I mean, there's Browns fans out there. They feel like they have some kind of hope, I would think, or they wouldn't be Browns fans anymore. Uh, best of luck to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- I, don't, I don't know. There's, this has been a, this has been an even for, even for a team that's like one was one in 31, the last two seasons, the last two weeks have been pretty tough on Browns fans weeks one and two. I, I would say that there's still, <laughs> the yes. hope is waning. It's not They're great. They're never going to open those it's not light great. fridges apparently. Yeah. But, you know, I, it was interesting because towards the end, you kind of felt like listening to Butch, you knew what he was going to say. Um, and I've, 
if you think about it from his perspective, I don't, I don't know really how you, you deal with that because you're a head football coach at the university of Tennessee. I mean, that's a big position in the sec and things aren't going well. So how do you handle it? And I feel like we would hear some of the same phrases. Like if I, if I hear the, there was one phrase, it was like, he would say, it's the small details of doing what it takes to play winning football. I mean, I heard that a million times, but you know what? I mean, I kind of, I kind of get it because what do you say at that point when you know things aren't going well? Um, so I don't know. It's really interesting. I was not there for the um, Champions of Life comment. I was, oh, um, I, I was, was already gone. Good. Yeah, um, but I got a lot of crap from people that I work with about that since I went to Tennessee. I got a lot of, oh, congratulations on being a champion of life. I'm like, goodness gracious. Come on, guys. His like 2016 season, and that was really the year, not to get super off track, because obviously this is about you, not Butch Jones, but like 2016 was the year when like Dobbs was a senior. Uh, and they, they were like supposed to be very, very good. And they, I think they still won nine games. So like, they, it's not like they were bad by any means. But after they lost to Alabama by like 60 at home, uh, his kind of quotes were just absolutely amazing because I think like he knew at that point, like, okay, we aren't, we're not going to win the SEC West, like, uh, or sorry, SEC East. And it just was almost like Butch had kind of like, uh, a Rolodex of things that he just had written down and he was just going to, to yep. try to defend like things that were happening and they never made any sense. And he started out that season, right? With the garbage can, like the, on the sidelines and oh, said like team yeah. one, whatever. And, and so it was almost like for me with Butch as a guy who lives in Nashville now and is a Tennessee season ticket holder, I enjoyed the Butch Jones experience from a humor perspective, but I don't know what, Butch Jones was thinking sometimes because I think he like I, I wondered Courtney and, and I wonder if you do this with your script sometimes like you write this down and because I know I do it with these like I write things down and I'm like man this is gonna kill and I wonder like if Butch says it and then he's watching the Butch Jones show back at 11 45 on like a Tuesday night and he's like man that was not as good as I thought it would be because he yeah. had some real good, I mean he had some he had some real good, and we have a quote later on we'll, we'll ask you about, but like he had some stuff that he said to reporters where I was like, I don't even know if Butch has any idea what he's saying or if he's just on like autopilot at this point. Like he's just like, yeah, I'm going to say this because this makes the most sense. But he was, I just don't even know how to describe it. I, I felt like that he was like that. Like he had all these expressions about like toughness and stuff. And after a while I was like, all right, Butch, we get it, man. Like just be honest with us, I think. Because it was all cliches to me. Right. And I think though, but I feel like maybe at that point he's in, you know, defense mode of the program because you're trying to build a program and you're trying to, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to see it because yeah, sitting there listening to it, it's like, what is, what is this? Where did this come from? Champions of life? Like that's not ideal. Um, and the garbage can thing. Um, but you're sitting there and I feel like everybody's quick to jump on him, but then I also kind of think, What's the thought process? And is he in like protection mode of his program, trying to keep his job, obviously? Because, I mean, if you think about it, this is a tough job, any college athletics, because you're, oh, you're yeah. basing your job on 18 to 22-year-olds and what they do and if they behave and if they do the right thing and if they don't get injured. Injuries were a big part of that. Um, this, that's, that's the biggest thing that we talk about on this, on this podcast is that uh, as former college basketball coaches, like, 
you have to be a little bit insane, Courtney, you, you, because you're, you're putting yeah. your, your livelihood <laughs> in the hands of people who are just not going to be the best decision makers. And I don't even know for football coaches, like, I mean, Smalls and I only ever had to, you know, be part of managing 15 people at the most. Maybe you had some managers, you know, and then you had some other stuff to take care of. But as a football coach, like you're the CEO of, you know, he Butch probably had 25 people on staff. Plus he had 105 if they fully, you know, they were fully filled out. Obviously you get 25 scholarships, but he had walk-ons, gray shirts, all that stuff. Like that's a huge undertaking. And, and at Tennessee, which is one of the, you know, one of the 10 to 15 programs in the country that, that probably cares the most about football, you're just constantly under the microscope. And no matter what happens, like if somebody goes to get pizza at two o'clock in the morning in Knoxville and runs a stoplight and that guy's a second string receiver for the Vols, like, that's going to show up on the news. Like, and, and it doesn't matter if it's just like a young, dumb kid because you play football. And so like that part of the stress, like, I mean, shit, I can't even imagine. I can't because that part of it is, is so difficult because you're just dealing with people who, like I said, 18 to 22 year olds, I'm sure all three of us didn't make the best decisions between that, you know, part of our life. Right. I mean, yeah, at that point, I mean, you see a lot of kids are concerned with, you know, what's on their Twitter, what's on their Snapchat at this point. And like, uh, you know, they're, you're just not, you're growing into who you're going to be. And it's a very early stage of that. So for any football coach or any, any coach, that's got to be, I would never want to do it. Ugh. What, what, uh, what was it like covering such a high profile program, especially one that you kind of grew up around? Um, it was really cool. I mean, it wasn't hard. Everybody's like, well, how is it? Can you be objective when you're doing that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. If they're playing terrible, I'll be the first one to tell you that they're playing terrible. Like, that's not a problem. If they're playing great, then that's great. We're going to celebrate that. I don't have a problem doing that at all. But it was really, it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed getting to cover Tennessee. Um, It was nice to have contacts over there from my time in the athletic department. I mean, obviously, when you come back in a different role, um, it's going to be a little bit different than when you obviously work in the athletic department. But I I really liked covering Tennessee. Um, It was I'll tell you, it was very interesting with everything, the coaching changes, the, even the basketball stuff, um, with, um, Donnie Tyndall. I mean, we had some interesting stories, interesting stories. I mean, and that's, that's good as a journalist, right? Like that's good as somebody covering a team. You always have people tuning in and people, like I said, people care. Um, I'm curious about your background and we talked a little bit about Friday night stripes, but you know, this is now the third, uh, high school football program kind of that you've been in charge of you know you you hosted the blitz in knoxville and you had a high school football show in macon is this a niche that you envisioned yourself carving out or is it something that you felt more comfortable doing and and kind of how do you feel about this moving forward just being somebody who's so well versed in high school football but then also doing so many more things in the winter and spring as well Yeah, I mean, I'm just really glad that this opportunity with Friday Night Stripes came up um, because the one thing that I miss from being a local sports anchor was Friday nights. And I think if you ask anybody who's transitioned um, career paths out of local sports or out of local news, news, they'll tell you that they miss Friday nights the most because I loved going and shooting the game on the sideline and getting to know the coaches. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're high school coaches. They want exposure for their program and their kids. And that's not what you get sometimes in the college level. Everything's so guarded and there's media relations and you can't talk to this player at this time. And in high school, it's, it's great because they're excited that you're there. They want you to cover your program. 
they'll let you come to practice. You can watch anything. Like it's really nice. So I was just thrilled when this opportunity came up um, that Intersport and Adidas were going to partner up to do high school football because I would like to do football someday um, for ESPN. And I'm hoping that I get some practice here and I get a good feel for the game because I haven't done it since high school. Um, football's it's hard to get into. It's hard to find a place where you can do play by play for it because it is such a major sport. So I'm just so thankful to be able to get back to it. And especially to call games with AJ Hawk is awesome. He is so smart. Like just watching him. I mean, he was, he would, he sends us notes sometimes when he's watching film, like watch where the running back's going to line up. If he lines up here, that means they're going to run. If he lines up here, that means the quarterback's going to keep it. And I'm like, this is awesome. Please keep it coming. Yeah. So it's been really fun. Um, We've only had two games together, but I've really enjoyed um, learning and hearing his perspective on things. You know, we've, we've been really fortunate, you know, on this podcast to have, you know, a lot of different people from, you know, different points, whether it be coaches or media, journalism, uh, whatever it may be. And we've had a lot of women on the show as well. Uh, And we always ask this question, in what's coined as a man's world, what challenges have you faced as a woman or are you currently facing? Uh, And do you feel like that, that landscape or that narrative of being a woman in sports is almost changing and trending more towards, you know, towards women in sports? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, do, I get that question a lot um, and it's totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's changing because I've never really felt like, I mean, I know there's a lot more males in the sports world, but I feel like we're seeing a ton more females get into it too. I mean, yeah. there's there's women that are doing play-by-play. I mean, Beth Mowens does all the Raiders preseason games play-by-play yep. and she's doing, yep. she, she did, did Monday Night Football, right, Monday. last week for the second year in a row. She's doing some stuff mm-hmm. with yeah, the NFL on CBS. Yep. Yep. Uh, Lisa Byington does football for the Big Ten Network. Um, Tiffany Green is on a football package this year for ESPN. So I feel like it's, women are breaking in to this more. And I think it's becoming more and more common where I feel like I probably won't get that question as much, but it's interesting. I have gotten, there's every once in a while you get some comments, you know, people will come up to you. I've had somebody come up to me in the grocery and grocery store before and say, well, I don't really like it when women do sports. And I was like, well, okay, why are you coming up to me in the cereal aisle? What do you want me to do about this right now? I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to continue to do that. And then I've had people ask me, do you really know what you're talking about or you just fake it? I'm like, yeah, I just get up there and I fake it. And I, for every day, over 40 hours, 50, 60 yeah, hours. They just week, gave me that job because I'm, I'm really just making like up faking. all this. I have yeah. no idea what, the, what I'm doing. Yeah, no, that's definitely not it. Um, but I think I've never, you know, with ESPN, with Intersport, working with this on this Adidas project, I've, that's never been, that's never been anything that's come into my mind that, oh, I'm a female. Um, I can't do this. I mean, I've got a couple of opportunities. My goal is to get working on men's sports more. And I had a couple of opportunities last season to do some men's basketball games for ESPN. So those opportunities are there. I've, it just, it also depends on how good you are. And I think sometimes if you watch um, a woman doing sports, I feel like some people have the tendency to think that she doesn't know anything until she proves otherwise. And I think that's something that needs to be changed because you could watch anybody get up there, any male, and you maybe automatically assume that, oh, well, he's doing sports. He knows what he's talking about. Well, that may not be true. 
So, I mean, we had somebody come in. We had a, a guy come in the booth that didn't know who AJ Hawk was on Friday. And I was like, okay. Like, I, I know, like, I would know that before I heard it. So, I think I'm hoping that we get away from that of turning on the TV. And I don't say that, I'm not thinking that that's the case for everybody, but I do feel like that a lot of people turn on the TV and when they see a woman on there, they automatically assume that she probably doesn't know what she's talking about until she proves otherwise. And I think we can get away from that. And I think we're on the track to get away from that. Yeah, actually, Courtney, I think that's like a really good point. I do think there's a lot of writers and analysts now who, especially in basketball, I I don't know quite as much in football. Like I know what I watch, but I I can't say that like I spend a ton of time watching film. Like I watch what I see on Sunday and you know, that's done. But I do think there are guys, you know, men and women for sure, probably, but men for sure on, on like major TV networks and major uh, publication and publication outlets that don't watch games and write opinions about them. I mean, you can tell especially like with college basketball where there's so many things to watch. Like you can tell when guys haven't watched. And I think that people do typically, I think there are a good amount of people who are pretty fraudulent in terms of what they claim their skill set to be, whether it be breaking down recruiting, whether it be breaking down stuff they see on the court. I think there are people that get paid a lot of money to go on TV. They talk about games that they haven't watched. And I think that's a dangerous thing. And so this is, I'm trying to like windy road segue into this question about play-by-play announcing. I, I think it's one of the most difficult things to do in sports and you've been doing it for, you know, 10 plus years now. How, uh, how have you improved as a play-by-play a- announcer? And then what do you typically work on to make sure you're always sharp? Because I, I know that it's tough. I, I just was thinking about it that we're going to air this a little bit later, but we're taping it on a Monday morning and Alabama and Ole Miss played uh, this this past weekend and Alabama won like 62 to seven. But at the very end of the game, it's a blowout and the play-by-play announcer is like making jokes about people eating popcorn on the sidelines because at some point you need to fill dead air. Like you're going to do a blowout, like you said. But so what do you do to make sure that you're as sharp as you can be both in a game that's really good and maybe in a game where there's a good amount of dead air to fill? Sure. Well, I think we had that case on Friday night. I mean, uh, Warren Central won. I mean, they put up 70 points. So we, the second half we had, there were a couple of few really good drives by our Ben, the Ben Davis team. Um, but there that's, I think that's really when your preparation shines. Um, because you've, you know, you got to know a little nugget about each player or a story that you can tell if you have time because you're going to have time. Um, and I think this Friday night stripes package is really helping me because we don't have any commercials, guys. There's no breaks. We fill 23 straight minutes at halftime. I mean, we are never off the air. So usually in basketball, you know, you go away, you have a minute 30 break. Or in volleyball, we have two minute break every once in a while, you know, when they get to 15 points. We never have a break. So I'm always talking, which is a great experience because that's really going to test my preparation. And if I'm not prepared, you're going to know. You're going to absolutely know because there's not a second we are not live on Twitter. So I think that's really where your preparation shines. And one of the people that I think prepares the best is Debbie Antonelli. She's a basketball analyst. Um, She does stuff with ESPN. She also does March Madness for CBS on the men's side. She's done that the past couple of years. And I've had the chance to work with her. She is the most prepared. She watches every game. I have no idea how she does it because she knows everything about every player on the men's and the women's side. And she's excellent at it. And I've really learned a lot getting the chance to work with her the past couple of years and just watch her because you've got to be prepared. You have to put the time in. 
Um, this week, I'm doing three different games. I have two volleyball games and a football game. So, I mean, I got home last night. I got off the plane at eight and I prepped until midnight. And then I got up this morning and started watching film. So, and I love that. And if you don't love that, you can't do play by play. It's like Peyton Manning used to talk about how much he loved the preparation. And if he ever stopped loving the preparation, that's when he knew he would probably be done with football. That's how you know you love play by play because you're going to be on air for two hours, three, three and a half for a football game, I guess. But that's the, that's a very small amount of time for all the preparation I do. I mean, just on Wednesdays alone, we have four hours of conference calls that we do with the coaches, our production staff for football. So the the majority of what I do is prepping. And I take pride in that, that I'm always going to be prepared for if, you know, a team puts up 70 points. I think that's the fun part. It's kind of a challenge to have good stories and, and talk to the coaches and get something interesting about those players. And I really enjoy that. Uh, last one for me before we go into segments. You've you've accomplished a lot in a in a pretty short career, and I'm I'm not trying to. I'm sure, as most people are, you're you're very modest. But you know, as your career kind of grows a little bit, what are your ultimate career goals? And then, how are you goal setting to make sure that you kind of not necessarily like meet benchmarks at a certain time, but making sure, like you said, you, you stay hungry and you stay driven. So, I guess, like, what's next for you in your mind if if things go as planned? Yeah, that's interesting. So when I I was in 2016, I was hired full-time at ESPN and that was the goal. I mean, my goal was to get to a network. So then I really thought like, well, what is the next goal? I've always been a person that has to set goals. So I think kind of the next thing, it took me about a year to figure out because I was trying to get used to, you know, being full-time at ESPN and traveling around and doing all these games and doing six different sports and learning the pace and what it takes and the the schedule and all that stuff. So when I settled into that, I I really sat down and thought, you know, what is the next step? And I think uh, one of the goals is always have new experiences. Um, last year, for the first time ever, I did gymnastics. I have never done gymnastics. I have no experience doing gymnastics. And I did that because I started watching it on Friday nights when I was prepping for basketball. And I was like, this is incredible. And then the opportunity came up that they needed another play-by-play on SEC Network to do it. And I said, you know what? I'll try it because I want to be able to be comfortable in every situation, whether it's gymnastics, football, volleyball, beach volleyball. I want to be somebody who's versatile and that, you know, if someone is looking to fill a position, they say, well, you know, she does this, 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 and this. I feel confident enough to put her in that position. So I think I want to be comfortable in any situation. That's one of my goals. And then I, want to, I would like to do more men's sports. I'm hoping to do some more men's basketball. I'm hoping there's some opportunities there because um, I love basketball. And eventually someday I would love to do football. And I'm hoping that getting this experience with Friday Night Stripes is a step in that direction. I mean, the one good thing about that, and I think we can agree, is that more and more, as as everyone seems to talk about like football's under attack or whatever, more and more football games are getting televised. So, I mean, I know they're doing some more studio stuff now. I know ESPN's been doing some of that. Uh, they did some of that in basketball last year, but the, the opportunities in football seem to be uh, growing at least because, you know, I think I was able to, I think at the noon slate this past weekend or 11, 11 a.m. if you're in central time, like I am, I, I think there was like 19 different games that I could watch on a regular like television package. So, you know, hopefully that comes sooner rather than later for you. Uh, jumping into coach speak, just one quote and one question today, uh, Smalls. We had to pick a quote from Butch Jones just because you're a UT alum and I just love talking about <laughs> Butch Jones any chance I get. So, 
So Smalls, uh, you got the quote in the question, and hopefully this spawns a pretty funny response. Yeah, so I'll start it off. So we've we've spoken about the competitive nature, and I think that's really, really big in today's world. Everyone gets into the whole two-star, three-star, four-star, five-star thing. The only five-star that we even concern ourselves with is a five-star heart. Now, Honestly, this quote is is funny to me as a coach. It's very funny to me because I think it's just like it's total coach speak. Um, but for you, what were some of the best coach stories that you have from your time as a reporter? Uh, favorite memory from the clubhouse or the sidelines? Um, that's a great quote. Five star heart. Mm. Is, is, isn't a five star heart like? I, I I think I need to make like a t shirt and it be right on my heart. It just says five star and like. Then I'll I'll be good. You know? Perfect. Sell hundreds of them. Money making <laughs> machine right there. Um, I have yeah, right there, stories. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so when I was working at Tennessee, um, I used to work on the coaches' shows. So after Tennessee played their football games on Saturdays at like seven thirty Sunday morning, they taped the head coaches' shows. So when Derek Dooley was the coach, and I was just there, I, I was one of those things where I would show up. Um, cause I wanted to see how it went and like get experience and make sure that they saw that I was there and committed and all that stuff. So I would make sure that there was a coffee cup with coffee in it on the desk for the coach. So coach Dooley, Derek Dooley was our coach at the time, was Tennessee's coach at the time. And he sits down and, and gets this and just, this is so, he's so eccentric, I think is the word I would use. He looks at the coffee and I'm like, coach, here's your coffee. And he goes, where, where was this made? I was like, what? Like where where did where was this made? So I like took him back, like through the hallway to the office, past the other office, in because he wanted to see where the coffee pot was, where the coffee came out of. That was really interesting. So I think that pretty much sums up um, Derek Dooley. <laughs> what was he? Was Derek Dooley wearing orange pants? You, those while, are game day. Before, That's game during day during the interview. That is game oh, day. Only. only. Only on game day. Yeah, and you'd be like, people love the orange pants. I still see people wearing orange pants to games. But oh, so I, weird. Then I mean, there the, was a, the, Derek du- the Derek Dooley tenure was, was an interesting one, for sure. Yeah. My favorite thing is he had that ceramic dog that he would pull around. Well, he would have Hawk, the equipment manager, pull it around in a wagon at practice. Do you guys remember that? I, I, do I don't really actually, know what the point of that was. Sadly, I remember that. It's. <laughs> Sadly, I remember that. I mean, honestly, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the segments, but the, the going from Philip Fulmer to the Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, like trilogy of coaching was a, was a fun year, especially probably for you being one growing up in the Nashville area where UT is obviously huge. And then being a student and then working in the athletic department, then going away for a minute and then coming back. I mean, it just like you said, there was always something to cover on some teams that were good then kind of like mediocre mediocre then like getting back good again and then mediocre again so there was always there was always a story i don't i don't know how honestly but there was always a story yeah there was always a story there was always a story and for our next segment there's always a story with our city review so what we're going to do for city review i'm going to do knoxville for you so you're going to take us to knoxville tennessee and me and Tyler are coming in for a weekend. You take us to, and it's going to be an off weekend for you. I know you've probably never had one in your life, but you're going to have an off <laughs> weekend. It's going to be me and Tyler. 
three restaurants, two bars, and one activity. Take it away, Courtney. Fantastic. Okay. Well, if we're going to dinner first, and hopefully it's not a Monday night because they're closed on Mondays, uh, I would take you to Savelli's, which when you pull up, it's an Italian restaurant. When you pull up, you're like, where are we? But it is so good. Uh, I think it's cash only still, and it's BYOB, so bring a bottle of wine. But the food is fantastic, and it's very small, so you have to have a reservation because there's only a few tables. But I definitely would take you there. if we're going to lunch the next day, we're going to Gus's Good Times Deli, which is one of Peyton Manning's favorite places. It is a greasy spoon for sure. And you'll we used to go there in college late night. Um, on game days, you got to watch out. They up their prices. And at late at night, if you've had too much to drink, they will charge you more. So don't <laughs> go in there and make a scene. But you will want to get the Philly cheesesteak with everything on it and the fries because it is awesome. And then if you're feeling classy and you want sushi, I'm going Nama. It's my favorite sushi place. And there's like two locations in Knoxville and it's so good. I love sushi. You you saying try the Philly cheesesteak in Tennessee. As, as a guy, you know, grew up here and born my my whole life, Philadelphia. I'm no I'm saying it's a bold statement. Now I'll do it. But it's going to face some criticism, I'm sure. But if it, you could impress me here. You could impress me. Now, what's the cheesesteak cut like? Are we talking chopped? Are we talking long? Are we getting whiz, provolone, wit? Yeah. What are we doing? Is there any, are there any vegetables on it? Because if so, we've got an issue. <laughs> there are peppers and onions and spicy mustard. And it's so so the mustard, okay. mustard steak sandwich. You know, I don't like open it up and break it down to see how the meat's cut. I just eat it because it's delicious. And I usually go there on my birthday. I got you. To I got you. I'm sure it's great. I just love busting chops. No, you're fine. Uh, all right. Two, two bars before we go uh, to Gus's to get charged extra money. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, the library is super cool. So it's like the speakeasy bar and it's in the Market Square area. You enter down an alley and there's a red light above the door. There's not a sign or anything. Um, and you go in and they have great um, craft cocktails. So I would definitely take you there. And Central Flats and Taps is a lot of fun. I go there to watch. Um, well, I haven't in a while because I don't have time. But when I do have time to go watch a big game or something, it's a fun place to go. Um, Central Flats and Taps, and I would recommend the spicy margarita. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, wow. I'm a big spicy guy, too. That's my flavor, so I'm in. For your craft cocktail, what are you? Are you old-fashioned? Am I pinning you as an old-fashioned person? I would do an old-fashioned, yeah, absolutely. Old-fashions are good, especially at the library. Especially at the library. I love it. I love it. I'm in. And one more, one activity. What are we doing in Knoxville together, all together? Okay, well, there's, um, it's kind of hidden, but, and you wouldn't know it's there unless you knew it. Obviously, that's a dumb statement. Um, it's called I'm's Nature no. Center. No, you know what's great? <laughs> I totally connected with that statement. So, like, you're right on my level. Now you understand what you're dealing with. Oh, my, like, my IQ is that low that I'm just like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, you got, you, under, you got me. Yeah, I would go to IMS. So it's this nature center. They have walking trails. It goes by the Tennessee River. But then also I love to go to the quarry. It's this like clear water. They have paddle boarding and canoeing. And then there's still a bunch of hiking and biking trails. And it's it's maybe 10 minutes from downtown. 
And it's awesome. And during, I'm not sure what season it is when sunflowers bloom, but there's this field of sunflowers. It is the, if you like to go outdoors, this Imes is definitely the place. It is the largest field of sunflowers I've ever seen. So when they bloom, it's definitely when you want to get over there and see that. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, all right. So last segment, 10 touches, 30 second rapid fire question and answer. I got the first five. Courtney, who's the funniest person you've ever worked with? Uh, Scooter Magruder for Friday Night Stripes. He's a riot. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a social media personality, so you know he's he, he's churning out content, right? You know he's got to be funny. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. Who is uh, this? Is this, I always have to explain this. Sorry, I'm going to make this a little bit slower. Who is the best interview and the worst interview of people you've interviewed like relatively regularly? Hmm. I remember for the Lady Vols, Sierra Burdick um, played for Tennessee. She used to be a really great interview and she wouldn't, you know, she would tell you what was, what she was feeling. And, you know, it was, it, sometimes it's hard. They get so protected and media relations and everything that you don't get a good answer from them. So she was always a really good interview. Okay. Uh, what are you currently reading if you have time? And I know during the fall, you probably have zero time for this, but what's the most recent TV show you binge watched? Um, this summer I binge watch Parks and Recreation for the second time and it is hilarious. And yes, it is better than The Office. Haters going to hate. It's fine. Um, but it's fantastic. And I laughed out loud every single episode. And then my favorite book is the Harry Potter series for sure. More, more inside comments here. Where were you during the Lane Kiffin riots at Tennessee? Were you outside of Neelan waiting for outside of his office or were you holed up in a dorm room? Were you covering it? I, so I was driving home and I saw it on an electronic billboard. I was driving back from Nashville and it said Lane Kiffin leaving Tennessee. And I was like, this isn't real. And then I went to campus and I saw them burning the mattress. And I actually did a phone interview for the station I had interned for in Nashville, the Fox station from the riot. Okay. That's good. Uh, last one for me. What, which person in journalism do you look up to the most? Uh, oh, it's probably two. Either Beth Moens or Debbie Antonelli, because both are fantastic. Um, we talked about Debbie a little bit earlier. The, she's a basketball analyst. Um, both of their their preparation I admire a lot. What's your hidden talent? I can do a one-handed cartwheel. Uh, greatest sporting event you've ever witnessed? Um, I was at the Music City Miracle. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's very cool. That's- yeah. That is awesome. That was, I was, it That's was the best cold. answer it's gotten. It was so cold. I remember being, I was freezing, but it was awesome. <laughs> Bucket list item you haven't completed. I would like to go to Greece, um, and I'm hoping to do that this summer. We'll see. Great. Most embarrassing on-air moment. Hmm. When I worked for Titans Radio, I was like eight, 17 or 18. I was interning. and um. I was supposed to be doing an interview with like the third string quarterback. And so I went to his locker and I interviewed him, but it was actually a punter who was trying to make the team sitting in his locker. And he did the interview as the quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of of awesome now that he did that. Who were you supposed to be interviewing? It had to be like, I don't know. Charlie Whitehurst was probably the second string quarterback. Maybe it was like Billy Vole. No, no, this was a while ago. This was 2008. I think it was Ingle Martin, who's the coach at Innsworth oh now, goodness. I think. Yeah. And it was and like so this the- other punter who was trying to make the team, and they had both had dark hair or something. I don't It was very embarrassing. 
And at the end, I was like, you're not him, are you? And he was like, nope. And I was like, fantastic. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, The perfect broadcaster. So we do this uh, and it's, you know, it's pretty good. So it's voice, brain, face. You know, I'm picking, you know, Jim Nance's voice, Tony Roma's brain and John Gruden's face. I think that would be an epic combination. What's yours? Ooh. For voice, I would say Jim Nance's voice. Um, maybe John Gruden's brain. Oh, I don't know. No, you can't. You, John Gruden's brain has taken a couple hits the last couple weeks. It's it's been very. Yeah, that's the last true. Weeks for, for I'm Chelsea. I'm thinking of him as an analyst, though. I'm not thinking of him as a coach. I'm thinking of him as a broadcaster. Yeah, that's that's oh, true. This is a hard one. I don't know. Mike Tarico is amazing. It, Why can't it, we just, it can just be him. Yeah. <laughs> we can put let's let's do Jim Nance's voice with Mike Tarico's, you know, presence. Everything else is Mike Tarico's. I love that. Yeah. My last question, two future podcast guests for us. Um Ooh, I think you should talk to Andrea Carter. She was a former Lady Vol, and she's starting to do some work as an analyst for ESPN, and she's doing a really good job. And she's, you know, she went, she didn't get to play her last year because of injury, and now she's really diving in to it. And then Steffi Sorensen, who played at Florida, um, she does a lot of great stuff for ESPN, working on the basketball side of things, and is the silent reporter for every single game at the SEC Women's Tournament. I don't know how she does four games a day for like a week. It's exhausting. So I'd recommend those. <laughs> awesome. Uh, last segment, parting shots. Same two questions to every, get, to every guest. Excuse me. Courtney, what's the best advice you've ever been given? To not, people told me all the time to not be in sports, to not work in sports. Don't do this. And that is the best advice I ever got because it made me want to do it even more. <laughs> Fueled your fire. Love that. You're face-to-face with your, let's say face-to-face with your 23-year-old self. What are you telling that person? Have some more fun and don't stress out (laughs) as much because I've learned that everything works out. It's just, it's not how you expect it to work out, but everything will work itself out. So it would be great if I wasn't as stressed out, um, you know, a few years ago. Now I just kind of realized that things will work out, maybe not how I planned, but they will work out and it will be okay. All right. Uh, that's it for, I think that's it for us. Uh, Courtney, I want to give you an opportunity. We talked a little bit about Friday Night Stripes, but beyond uh, September, where can people catch you going into October, November, December? Uh, you know, plug your social media handle so people can follow you because I know you, you get a lot of engagement there. But then where else can we see you this year, this coming year? Yeah, so um, at Twitter, at Sporty underscore Lyle. Um, so we've got some really good games. We're going to be in Las Vegas this week for Friday night stripes. We're also going to hit up Phoenix, Cincinnati, um, the Miami area. So that'll be, you know, the rest of the year we're doing eight total games. We've already got two under our belt. And then of course I do volleyball for ESPN, basketball, softball, gymnastics, little league. So it's always, it's a fun year. Um, it's packed in and I'm really excited that it's the fall again and we can get rolling another year. All right. Awesome. Courtney, I appreciate you taking some time on this Monday morning with us, and we will certainly be following you, especially uh, on the SEC Network as the season gets going. But thanks so much for taking the time, and we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was fun. All right. We'll talk soon. 